0: Hey everybody! This is Ricky Warwick, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. Oh yeah!
1: Make me a deal and make it good for me. I won't get full of myself; I can't afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. Only he can prove it.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me today in the Zoom room, it's uh, his third time here. We have never had a guest here three times. We've had a couple people here twice, but never three times. So I'm very excited, as always, to welcome Ricky Warwick. How you doing, Ricky?
0: Hi, Pat. how are you doing? Thanks for having me on I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. That's a, a hat trick of appearances. I yeah like well,
2: and and every time you're here, the music that you're promoting is stellar. So once oh, again, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but your new album that's coming out February 19th, when Life was Hard and Fast, is terrific. It's right. Thank you. It's right in the wheelhouse of what you do currently. And when I say that because it's not like it's not like the Almighty. Mm-hmm. there's uh, there's elements of Black Star Riders in here, of course, because sure, that's sure. what your that's what your current thing is. But this is a sure. solo record. This is your seventh yeah. proper solo album. So congratulations. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, so, no, I'm very proud of it.
2: And again, released through Nuclear Blast Records. It's going to be on vinyl. It's going to be a single CD. It's going to be a double CD. So uh, excellent. First question. Was this recorded... Written and recorded during the lockdown?
0: It was not. No. It was not. The album was written. It was not. No. The album was written in 2018 and recorded in April of 2019. So, you know, almost eight, nine months prior to the the pandemic hitting us.
2: Okay. So this was written before the last Black Star Writers album?
0: It was kind of written at the same time as the last Black Star Writers album. Um, Yeah. So 2018 was the bulk of the writing and when the dem, the demoing for this record was done. Yep.
2: And then recording it, you guys did it in person cause it was pre pandemic. Yes. Okay, cool. Now here's a question when you're in a band, but then you're doing a solo album, how do you decide, well, I'm keeping <laughs> this song for me or I want to work on this one with the guys in the band.
0: I, I just, I don't know. I, I instinctively know, I think, what's going to work for black star writers and what's going to work for, for Ricky Warwick. Um, there's limitations with black star writers, which are good, good limitations. In that we have a style and a sound that people expect. And we want to sort of adhere to also, when I'm writing something for black starter, black star writers, I'm very aware of what Scott Gorham, Christian, you know, a Chad and, and Robbie are going to bring to that song. Right. You know, I know they're going to get involved and they're going to make their mark on it. And that's, great. That's the way that I want it. So that's very conscious in the back of my mind. You know, when I'm writing for myself, all bets are off. The, the, the road's wide open. I can go anywhere with it. I can do anything I want with it. And, you know, nobody's going to question it except, except me. And, you know, that's, that's, that's good. It, it appeals to the narcissistic side of me. Look, I, I love to write, Pat, and I write continuously. I write all the time. I'm, I'm never sort of going, well, I got to write for a solo record. Well, I got to write for a black star writer. I'm just, I just write. Yeah. And then it's a question of going through, going well, you know that that's probably going to work pretty good, you know, as a Ricky Warwick song. I think you know Scott or Christian get their hands on this. This is going to be an amazing Blackstar writer's song. You just kind of know. Um, it's funny because I, you know I've played, I've, well, obviously I play the solo stuff, and there's been there's been a couple of times where I played him to Scott Gorham, I and I've got the Scott does this great thing with his <laughs> left eye, left eyebrow, where he kind of he kind of looks at you and goes, and the eyebrow goes up, and I went he goes that could be one of ours bud and i was like oh yeah well maybe it could you know but i think the thing is he understands that i i, I don't i'm not selling anybody short right it's not like i'm turning up for black star writers and don't have the songs because i've used them all in my solo stuff right right you yeah. know and, and, and scott trusts me and understands that that i'm always going to turn up armed with plenty of material for black star writers so nobody's really losing out um in the whole deal which is cool
2: and sadly the uh the release of the last Blackstar Riders album, you didn't really get to properly promote it the way yeah. you guys were scheduled to or had hoped to, and
0: no, yeah, we got hammered. You know, we we put it out uh, into September 2019, hit the road in earnest in all, October of that year. Did got good seven great weeks in, in the UK and Europe, and 2020 last year was was a Blackstar Riders year. We were playing on some some shows in the states, you know, South America. Asia, all the European festivals, that that was our plan. You know, there was over 100 shows in in, in the pipeline. And, you know, sadly, yeah. that was it.
2: And a shout out to that album called Another State of Grace. If you like the songs you hear today on this show, uh, go back and listen to Black Star Riders because you're going to like that stuff too. But that's a great album. And I've told you before, Thank you. Uh, every Black Star Riders album gets better and that's hard to do. It's difficult to do. So. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Let's start with I want to start talk about the album cover of when life was hard and fast, because uh, if I'm going old school, if I was a kid and I was going to a record store and I hadn't heard this album, the first thing I would see would be that album cover. So tell us a little yeah. bit about the album cover. Cause I, I know there's a story to it.
0: It's a great album cover. Um, and you know, I'm saying that with all humility um, it really is something special. It depicts a scene from a motor motor car race, in the early 1930s, um, and the scene is, I'll explain it better, from about 1928 to about 1936, there was a motor race in in Ireland, uh, and it was called the Ards TT, and the town of Newton Ards is abbreviated as Ards, it's where I'm from, it's where I was born, it's where I grew up, and I grew up on a farm there, and my dad would tell me about this race that used to happen when he was a little boy, And I kind of became fascinated with it. And, you know, you're talking three, four hundred thousand spectators would come and watch this race from from all over the world, from all over Ireland. And these these guys were the the NASCAR Formula One drivers of their day, driving these primitive automobiles that they had back in the 20s and 30s, fraught with danger, fraught with throws and spills and and sadly quite a few deaths as well.
2: Because they were converted. They were convertibles, right? They didn't really they didn't have a top, did they? No, nothing. I
0: mean, no health and safety, and those guys were wearing the old leather helmets and the goggles. Right, and it was a ro- it was a road race, so they're not racing on a a prefabricated racing circuit. They're racing on roads. Yeah. So obviously, this you know you're talking twenties and thirties. Probably the quality of the roads surfaces weren't that great. Oh, no. Potholes everywhere, all that kind of shit. And I just became fascinated with it, with this race, the RTT. and that picture on the front cover is actually a crash scene in front of a whole bank of spectators the bank of spectators is my grandfather's field from his farm that he used to rent out every year to the spectators to to watch the race and the crash scene is 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 right in front of that field and it just tied in with the whole album title when life was hard and fast the song the whole imagery i've been waiting to use it for a long long time because it's something that i'm very interested in obviously and it, it all just aligned for this record and um we're actually working on a, a TV documentary about the, about uh, actually about the race tonight. Oh, nice! So I'm hoping that, that that's going to come to fruition and uh, uh, that'll get commissioned hopefully uh, pretty soon.
2: And then would the songs from so this what? album serve as kind of a soundtrack for that documentary? Um,
0: it's not, I mean, I think specifically, life when when life was hard and fast is maybe tied to that song. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are obviously about different subjects and, gotcha. and and different things. But it had a personal connection to me, a uh, personal family connection to me. Um, you know, obviously for for, for obvious reasons, and just it just all seemed to knit together really well.
2: Perfect. And there's other there's other family connections that we'll talk about as we move along with each song. <laughs> but I, I do want to uh, I want to ask you about the band that plays on this album. Now you you did steal Robbie Crane from Black Star yeah. Riders because he's we did. You've said before he's your favorite bass player in the whole world. So uh, so he's on the record. And who else is on yeah. the record with you guys?
0: So the the main core of the band that we we put the actual backing tracks down with was uh, was Robbie Crane on bass, um, Xavier Muriel, ex, Xbox Cherry on drums. Okay. Uh, for ev- for every track but Gunslinger, my manager Adam Parsons actually played drums on on the Gunslinger track. Okay. Um, and then myself and Keith on guitars, and then obviously myself singing. Now that was the band that we put the backing tracks down with when you know which we did in I think two days. It was very quick. You know, once they left, the, the bulk of the album was just was just me and Keith in the studio, and that's Keith Nelson working on it. Keith, sorry, Keith Nelson. Uh, people who will know Xbox Cherry,
2: and he uh, he produced the album, or did you, was it co production with both of you?
0: It was it was co- it was co uh, co written, and co produced with Keith.
2: Okay, excellent. And uh, recorded at your house or in a proper studio?
0: Proper studio. Um. Um studio called Stike Street in, in North Hollywood, and we, we did the backing tracks in there, um, and then we went over to Keith's, got his own place, his own mm-hmm. studio, and we, we did all the overdubs and vocals in Keith's studio. So all, all done in studios, all done right here in Los Angeles.
2: I'm always impressed how technology has, uh, has progressed because, uh, you know, back in the day, records are made in, uh, you know, in huge studios over months and months, and you guys just get a great-sounding records, you know... In studios, but you know, you. I mean. little, uh, you know what I mean. It's a uh, little. It's. I don't want to say low-fi. You know what I mean. It's. It's. You can almost make a record anywhere now. Well,
0: nothing's really changed for me. I still record the same way I, I always have. Obviously, we're not recording on the tape, right? Um, you know. You know that that's the digital side of it. But but the writing process, the demoing process, and having your shit together, is it hasn't changed. It's still. Um, it's still very much. Um, The way I like to record, and I haven't really deviated from that too much, Pat. It's all about doing your homework, and and because no matter how good technology gets and is getting, you can never replace the human emotion and human soul. You just never will. You you never will. And um, so that's why very much I like to put the backing tracks down as a band when we're all together looking at each other in a studio. Of course, we use Pro Tools. Of course, we use technology for editing and. And and to cut all those corners that you couldn't do 30 years ago, but that's it. That's it. It's not like, you know, we're we're using plugins and and, and auto tunes and all that kind of stuff. We, you know, we use it to to save labor intensive stuff like doing edits. You know, or editing editing drum right. takes together or guitar parts. That's the beauty of it to me. Everything else is organic.
2: And I would assume if you start with a if you start with a good demo, a good song, and then a good demo. A lot of the work's done if you start if you yeah i mean
0: we'll get into as we go through the record but there's a couple of tracks on the album that are demos yeah we couldn't better um yeah i mean it's all about preparation it's it's a good the song starts on an acoustic guitar and it starts on acoustic guitar with whether it's the riff or the melody or the vocal or whatever but it starts and is finished on the acoustic guitar before it goes anywhere else. Cool. So I could sit and play you any of those songs that are on the record the whole way through on acoustic guitar and it would sound fine. And then it starts to get really good when you start getting everybody else involved.
2: Now, speaking of that, you've been doing during lockdown, you've been doing some concerts from your house and those have been selling out. And these are, these are you on acoustic guitar.
0: Yeah, that's some, that. You know, that's what I, as you know, what I've been doing before. Um, I got in Finlandi and Blackstar Riders. I was doing. I was you know out there touring like crazy, just me and the guitar all yeah. over the world. Um, so I'm lucky I'm able to do that, and I'm lucky due to the lockdown that I'm able to sit in front of a computer and just and just play. It's it's, it's it comes naturally to me. I've been using a platform called Stage It, which I really like because they treat it as much as a as a, as a live show as you can, And that they you, you buy a ticket. Uh, this top supporter incentives. it's not like just turning on facebook live and standing there and going here's my tip jar and right right you know but uh, then there's nothing wrong with that don't get but i i wanted to i wanted to be more of events so i put up make posters and I put up flyers i rehearse like it's a real show i get focused in on it right. it gives me something something to look forward to every month and it's been really really successful and people go well you know how can an online show sell out you're so you know yeah. Look, it can't shell out. I could sell 10,000 <laughs> tickets, right, tickets for right. that show. But it's about creating a demand. Yes. So you limit the amount of tickets that you get. And and, and we're the same. You know, oh, I must go and buy a ticket for that a football game. Remind me to get a ticket for that football game. You get it the day before. Oh, I need to go get a ticket for that concert. Yeah. You get it two days. That's human nature. Yeah. So I know. So if I keep creating a demand, go, there's only 10 tickets left. I know that I'm going to sell more tickets for my show. Right. And I know that it's going to be a better show because there's going to be a lot more people there. If I put oh, those 20,000 tickets available, people are you know, I'm in a rush to it. Oh, I forgot to get a ticket for that right. show. That's a shame.
2: And then you when, know? and then so, when it sells out, then those people who missed it last time will definitely be on it next they're, time. They're,
0: they're, they're the first in, in line, you know, every show, my numbers have grown. Perfect. And, and that's, and that's due to the create, it's about creating demand, you know, um, I've been doing this a long time, you know, and people some I must on getting a ticket, how can I, you know, sorry. They've been on sale for five weeks.
2: <laughs> I know, what do you, you want? Know? So when yeah. the, when this album officially drops, will you be doing a show to promote that, the album?
0: Yeah, I think because obviously it doesn't look like we're going to get back out there anytime soon, mm-hmm. certainly not, probably not this year, sadly. We're talking about trying to put together a a, a full band show. Which, um, because of restrictions that are in place in LA right now, we wanted to do, we actually wanted to do it the week the album came out, but that's just not going to happen because right. we're still obviously very much in lockdown mode here. So hopefully we're looking at maybe possibly doing it in April. All right, cool. But the plan, the plan is to do a full, a full, the full album in its entirety with a full band.
2: And where would you stage that? Would you would you would you have to? Could you do that at home, or would you have to rent a location? No,
0: I I, I think we would we probably go back to stagg Street Studios where we recorded oh, the album. Perfect,
2: that makes sense.
0: I just and, ju- and just do it in there. But obviously, you know, we can't all get together in the studio at the minute, so that's what's yeah. With, uh, that's what the holdup is.
2: Gotcha. All right, let's yeah. get into it. The first track, "When Life Was Hard," this is co-written with a guy named Sam Robinson. Who is Sam Robinson?
0: Sam Robinson is a. Very, very old friend of mine. We're both from East Belfast in Northern Ireland. Uh, he's my brother from another mother. He people may have heard his name. If you think his name sounds familiar, he co-wrote most of when Patsy Cline was crazy, my previous solo album with me. Sam is a great writer. Um, he has a couple of books published. A great historian, a very knowledgeable man. Um, great stories, and and we're just uh, we grew we grew up to you know we grew up together in East Belfast, and. Um, Sam, we were talking about the race. You know, it's, I I I'll, I'll talk to Sam once, twice a week, and usually what'll happen, we'll be talking about something, and then usually a couple of days later, some lyrics will land in my inbox, and they're and Sam's lyrics are just they're just they're amazing, they're stunning. He just says it's such a great way with words of graphically des- describing imagery, which which I love, and he sent me through. We've been talking, we we've been talking about being kids and pre-internet and pre-cell phones and getting thrown out of the house when the sun came up and playing in the streets and getting dirty and getting our knees cut and getting in fights and and then coming in at, at, at you know for your dinner at, at seven o'clock and there was no nobody checking up on you. And right. it's a different world, you know, and we were just, and, and our dreams and our hopes and our aspirations about how, you know, we were in bands when we were at school, um, you know, just to try and get the girls to like us or You know, or or we were good at soccer. All (laughs) just being being kids in Northern Ireland, what it was like for us. And I was I was talking about that race and the memories of that that my dad would tell me. And lo and behold, um, you know, three days after a conversation, the lyrics dropped through into my inbox, and I looked at the title and I just said, "That's the title of the album." Perfect. Before I'd written anything else, I went, "That's the title of the album, right there." And literally I wrote the music pretty quickly for it. Um, took it into Keith and, and, and Keith was great and that he he said it's great. He said there's too much going on in it. And I said, What do you mean? He said, There's a great story there. He said, but it's 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 over elaborate. And, and we simplified it. And then Keith put in a great, in front of the music out there, he put in a great diminished seventh chord, which is a bit of an old Thin Lizzie trick. And there's, there's a great one in The Boys Are Back in Town. And Keith put this chord in the verse that just, to me, changed the whole dynamic of the song. And I also went back to Sam. I made a couple of little lyrical ed- edits in his lyrics. And I said, is this cool? You know, because phonetically, and I just want to streamline this so that somebody that lives in, in Boise, Idaho, We'll listen to this yeah. and connect with it. It was a little bit too. You didn't need to be from Belfast to get some of the colloquialisms, you know, that were in the lyrics. Right. And Sam's like, "No, absolutely." And we, and we we reworked it, and probably the song, to be honest with you, we spent the most time on on the record because of the potential of what it was going to be. Yeah, I think we all realized that myself, Sam and Keith, and we spent a lot of time critiquing it and editing and and, and working working on the chords and the melody and the structure of the song. And, and yeah. And then we demoed it and it sounded great. And uh, as always, I use Joe Elliott as a sounding board for pretty much everything I do. Joe Elliott from Def Leppard, because you can't really argue with a guy that sold 150 million
2: records. right? <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I, 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 I sent it over to Joe as I always do. Well, what do you think of this? And because Joe always tells me the truth, you know, And I love that. And I don't always agree with him, but at least I know I'm getting an honest answer. He goes, 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 this is great. He goes, this is really good. He goes, you want me to sing on it? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, two days later it comes back with Joe's amazing backing vocals on it. And just great.
2: So uh, when Joe Elliott sings background vocals on this, he records those at his house and sends them to you.
0: He does. Yeah. That's where technology is great these days. And, yeah, it really kicks in because obviously, again, geography is against this. So we will send him, you know, the files. Joe has a studio at his house. He does his part straight back. It's great.
2: Now, Sam, is he he's still in Belfast or is he in the States now?
0: No, Sam's, Sam's very much still in Belfast. OK,
2: so yeah. this, this was written, this was written, uh, uh, you know, worlds apart. You two wrote this together. Worlds
0: apart, worlds apart. Yeah, worlds apart with uh, with a lot of common ground, yeah. Uh, you know, there as well.
2: <laughs> and uh, and Joe, I don't. Is he in the states or is he uh, in in Ireland? Joe has Joe has many many different houses. many different houses because um, of those uh, many because many, of that record sales
0: many different <laughs> many different abodes, as, as, <laughs> right, and rightly so, as you would expect. His main place of residence is in Dublin, and Ireland.
2: All right, that's what I thought. Yep. All right. Yep. So if I can, I don't know if I can say this or not. And if I if I'm not allowed to say this, you can. Uh, I'll I'll edit it out. But. um you sent me this record months and months and months ago.
0: Yep. It's totally cool. Cause I trust you and respect your opinion.
2: And, um, and I, from the moment I heard when life was hard, I just got like goosebumps. I'm like, Oh man, this Thank is you. so, and I told my, you know, my wife's the only one I told, I go, and i go you know that guy Ricky Warwick and she goes no and then i said then i have to explain because she doesn't listen to what i say ricky and then uh yeah. and then i go he just sent me his he sent me his new album it doesn't come out till february she she was like that's really cool and uh so oh. i've been listening to this thing for months yeah. and i've just been i i just was kept waiting like i'm when is this going to be released when is he going to announce it so that uh so that i can yeah. start uh, getting excited no, uh, about No you
0: know it. I, thank you I've, I've been sitting on it for 2 years and it's been yeah. killing me
2: I can you imagine know, I can, because it's been
0: killing me, you know, I, 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 because and we didn't change anything due to the pandemic, Pat. It was always going to come out in February of 2021, okay. because obviously last year we were going to be touring with Blackstar Writers. So the pandemic didn't shift the the, the dates or the release schedule. Um, it's just the way it works out. Cause yeah. we have to plan when Blackstar Writers, you know, and um, it's been killing me, you know, and, and I just can't wait for people to hear it and, just sort of harking back and just thinking about the lyrics that, that Sam said, there's, there's, a, there's a line in, in when, when life was hard and fast that just sums me up better than I could ever sum myself up. And Sam wrote, um, the line is, so how are you going to keep me working on this farm? Cause I grew up on a farm mm-hmm. when I can see the road ahead, it's tattooed on my arm. And I was just like, poetry, you bastard, you bastard, yeah, <laughs> you know, you, how, how dare you be that fucking good, you know? and, and, <sighs> That's my, that was my life because I was working on a farm. I, I left school at 15. I went home to work in the farm. I hated it. I didn't hate it. I hated so I hated some aspects of it, some aspects of it. I actually quite liked, but I was always dreaming. I was always dreaming of the road ahead yeah. and being, being able to play music full time. Cool. It consumed me as it still does.
2: Well, you know? this is, a, as as always, every one of your albums kicks off with an amazing opening track. And I mean, you, it kind of has Thank to. You. Because you you, you yeah. want to keep people listening.
0: Yeah, you got to get them in, right? Yeah, and got to get them in the store.
2: As you're telling <laughs> me about uh, you growing up um, as a kid and working on a farm, I when my daughter who's 16 tells me that she's bored and tired of being in the house during this pandemic, I just tell her, I go, you don't even know what this would be like if, if it was when I grew up or when you grew up, I go, because oh, our whole life
0: started our whole life, <laughs> our whole life was
2: being outside and playing. We didn't have all this technology. There wasn't, there wasn't nonstop television shows 24 seven. And uh, I don't know. I know. <laughs> I don't know if uh, you're feeling any of that or hearing any of that at home. From, oh, dear, dear. But it's... Uh, it's... I, I,
0: I'm, you know, we got grew up on a farm. It was a very small farm. We were very poor. We didn't have a lot of money. My mm-hmm. dad loved farming. Uh, my dad was not a great businessman, but he was an amazing farmer. Um, and, you know, he, was, he worked three, six, five a year, sun up, sun down, just passionate. Yeah. And... I, it's, it, it's hard for me from that blue collar working class thing, I'm very blessed in that I live in Beverly Hills in a nice place the sun's always shining life is easy here and my kids still complain it's tough, and when I think when I think about what you know, my kids complain about walking three blocks to school in seventy five degrees sunshine. It's unbelievable. When you know, I would have to get a bus and then walk a mile in snow and sleet and rain yeah. or wind, and then I'd have to come home and do whatever homework I had, and then go straight out onto the farm. Man. You know, I had to get up at six six thirty and, and and feed animals and, and muck out shit before I'd go to school. Yeah. And then I was playing soccer on a Saturday or, you know, Sunday I was maybe playing athletic, rugby or doing, you know, it was just, you know, and now I, I kind of get them to wash a dish without, go, oh God. <laughs> I no, know, it's crazy. You,
2: make, you know, me, and, make me some food. And, and then and then I
0: start on them and, and, and I, I, I sound like that old guy Go well, back in my day. Right, and, and exactly. Kind of got, you, know, how do, how do, you know, it's so, like, I think we're all relative to the situations that we find ourselves in. Exactly. But, i don't know i mean i think it's tough being a kid today for for completely different reasons than it was tough being a kid when we were kids right i feel sorry for them that the social media thing is so necessary and it's overtaken their whole lives and there's so much cyberbullying. and we we've had sadly my kids have there's been stuff going on where we've had to i'm sure we all have you know it's just it's out of control and and because the access is there the attention span is gone they don't read books anymore. They don't listen the full way through to a song. My daughter will get in the car with me and we'll drive a mile to go to get Starbucks and she'll have listened to 75 songs in one mile, you know, 10 <laughs> seconds of each song. I said, well, i not listening to the whole fucking song. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, this is the bit, of, you know, it's. Ugh.
2: Yeah. I'm so, tra- anyway, I'm trying to get my daughter to listen to a, a whole album. I'm like, even if it's, even if it's stuff that she likes, I'm like, Hey, that new Taylor Swift album's out. Let's listen to it. She's like, well, play me a couple songs. I'm like, no, you listen to the whole thing. But, thing, all right you know. well we're going through the same well, thing I mean, you Well,
0: know? I mean my, my daughter my daughter's we got her into vinyl she got a record player for Christmas which I'm very proud my of my daughter
2: so got right. a record player from Christmas too I just set it up finally yesterday so there's hope there's hope there's hope all right track two uh you don't love me this is uh this is definitely not a love song
0: no <laughs> not at all it's a kind of you don't love me I don't care type kind of song
1: mm-hmm. you don't love me Anymore You don't want me That's for sure I saw it coming
0: I think it's really a direct attack at, at, at the naysayers that the, the people that, that, that have, have doubted me or doubted my credentials or, or want to attack me without even knowing me mm-hmm. um and obviously throughout my career, I've been in situations like that. Obviously there's a lot of people, um, have been very vocal about me being in thin Lizzie. And I think it's really sort of saying, you don't know me, right? You don't know, you don't know, me. You know my integrity. You don't, you don't, you don't, you know, you're not even trying to know me. You're not. So I think it's really just saying, you know, you know, um, I think it's, you know, when actions, actions, when actions contradict your words, don't mean anything, you know, it's like, it's just words. Yeah. You know, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? What are you, you know, what are you, you know, you know, what, why, why are you going on social media and spouting hate? If I don't like something, I'm not going to go on and go, I really hate your song and I really hate you and you're a dick and well, yeah. I just, I won't. I just, I don't like. It. I'm not going to go and ragging up a person.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. There are things to do with my yeah.
0: with, with with my energy, you know.
2: Yeah, I'm amazed that uh, the people that will take the time to write something negative and send it to you. I wonder if they take the same time to write something positive and send it to people. Also, they don't. They don't
0: because sadly, those people they get a kick out of being negative. The insecurities that they have by putting it on somebody else, it makes them feel good about themselves. I get hate. Like everybody that's in a band or makes music or or creates art, I get shit every day from people. I get amazing stuff every day that that, that fills me with joy and happiness and validates everything that I'm doing. And it obviously, thankfully, far outweighs. But I I get stuff every day. You know, you suck you know you're you know. I get
2: Ricky I get it too just from doing this show sure course, you know and you so do. you know but I get like you I, I get did. tons of you know the, the yep. positive outweighs the negative but when you open up one of those negative ones and you're like really you took the time to, you know, to do yeah. this
0: yeah and that's what gets me you took the time to be negative and to be be, be nasty and, and you know when you could have said nothing and, and, and taken that energy and trying to find some positivity with it and, yep Oh, happy. So anyway, I mean, it's it's the whole thing is you don't love me. I don't really care. You don't own me. You don't know me. You know, you don't know any really know anything about me. Um, and, and that's really where it, where it's coming from.
2: Gotcha. You know, and we have a solo on this album is played by who?
0: Mm. Luke Morley from Thunder, who um, a lot of the U.S. viewers may not be too aware of Thunder. Um, I think they're a bit like the Almighty and they'd some limited sort of cult success in in the States, my old band, The Almighty, but massive in the UK, like an arena band in the UK for many years. And Luke's been a very good friend of mine um, for over 30 years. Wonderful songwriter, and wonderful guitar player. Luke actually is an honorary honorary member of Blackstar Riders back in 2018, just after Damon Johnson left. Christian Martucci, who's the guitar player of Blackstar Riders now, was still touring with Stone Star, and we had a tour of South America. Uh, scheduled and and damon had left and, and 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 didn't want to do the south american tour christian wasn't available yet and luke came in and actually did the tour and was phenomenal and i was working on the solo record at the time and i was like you know we've known each other for 30 years and you've never played on one of my albums I said, that's going to change me i want you to play a solo and he's like send it over and he killed i mean his it's solo it's great it's he fantastic it. yeah
2: and you know yeah. thunder has a new album coming out this year i think in the next which couple, is amazing, which in, yeah. uh, next couple months. So, uh, U S get yeah. on, uh, get on the thunder train. Cause they are great. I think, yeah. I think the They're... only, the only thing that we MTV played dirty love when that came out and yeah. that's, what, what's that 30 some years ago now. And they have, it uh, indeed. they have so many albums. So get on the thunder train. People. The,
0: the people. new album is, is, is fantastic. Look sent me it a while ago and it, it really is. Uh, it's it, the songs are amazing on it. Really great, really great stuff.
2: All right, uh next song coming up is I'd rather be hit. And th- th- <laughs> I mean the lyric in this is killer. I even read this one to my Thank wife. You. I'd rather be hit by any man than hurt by any woman. And I gotta tell you, that that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, a, I mean, a, I don't it's I, it's I don't know <laughs> I don't know any man that would would deny that. You can
1: resurrect the is coming fast The forbidden fruit of time A slowly rotting minds In all forgotten town
0: it's a metaphor obviously for a lot of things and it's very, it's very much used in a metaphorical sense. It could almost be a country title. It's got, it's, it's, you know, a country song title. It's got that vibe to it. Um, you know, I think the next line is I'd rather sell my soul for a piece of hope than give my heart away for nothing. Yeah, And, and that's sort of, you know, that's sort of saying, you know, yeah, you know, st- stick to your ideals. Um, you know, the song is a little bit political and that it was written. The idea for it was written just after Trump got and in, got inaugurated four years ago. And I feared for, for humanity. <laughs> and I think, it. and I, and I, I think that that was, that was it, you know, and I think um, I'm just trying to remember some more of the lyrics, you know, it's, it's about staying strong and being positive. And like you said, You'd rather be hit by a man. Sometimes when you're scorned or mentally scarred, it's sometimes worse than, than being physically scarred. Yeah. And I think that's really, really
2: what it's about. Physical scar will probably heal quicker.
0: It will heal. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Staying strong in there, I think, really is, is a message behind that, you know.
2: And then we have an amazing solo on this song, too. I love that you're calling in uh, the favors for from your friends.
1: <laughs>
2: right? Who plays the solo on this song? Tell us. I know, but tell the hey, people. Up.
0: Andy Taylor of Duran Duran and the power station plays the the solo one. I'd rather be hit. Uh, Again, known Andy for a long time. Andy produced an almighty album way back in the early nineties. And we've been friends ever since. And Andy briefly came back to Duran Duran in the early two thousands. Yeah. Left again. And then kind of went to ground. He lives in Ibiza Island, just off Spain. And he has kids and he took some time out to raise his kids and, you know, enjoy being Andy Taylor. And I got a phone call from him in 2017 saying he was he was working on some new stuff. And he flew me out to Ibiza and we, we wrote a bunch of songs together. Six of them, which are going to end up on his new record, which is coming out later this
2: year, which Excellent. is
0: phenomenal. Brilliant album. Andy's a great producer. He's a great singer. He's a great guitar player. He's, a you know, people think, oh, he's in Duran Duran. No, the guys had died in the Will rock and roll. The yeah. guy was 15 years old playing army bases all over Europe, you know, his favorite bands, ACDC, he's, he, he's a real deal. And, uh, so, you know, again, I was like, dude, I helped you out in yours. Come on, play some guitar in mine. And, and of course he did. And again, just, just, just amazing. I,
2: I, again, this is a, another great song. And it's, it's so fun to hear that Andy Taylor is going to have new music out because his, yeah. his solo, his first solo album, Thunder, I still play it. It is so good. And I loved when yeah. he the album that he made with uh Rod Stewart, I think it was out of order, that album's right. killer. And um, yeah, yeah I, I get excited when I hear that Andy Taylor's gonna do anything. So
0: Yeah, no, yeah, me too. He's,
2: he's kind me of a, he's he's awesome. He's kind of a mystery man. Yeah. Uh next song is a cover. Yes. It's a Willie Deville song called Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. What's your process when you go about choosing uh, to record a song that you didn't write?
0: This is a Willie DeVille song that he put out under his guys, a.k.a. Mink DeVille. Mink DeVille. And it was the B-side of a single. The A-side was a song called Spanish Stroll, which came out, I think, 77, 78, was was his, his biggest hit. And I remember him as a kid on Top of the Pops in the UK doing that song. He was like a more sophisticated Johnny Thunders in the way that he looked and dressed. Yeah, He had that real um, New York Italian going on, you know, great suits and the shoes and the little tash and everything, slick back hair. I thought he was awesome. And very underrated songwriter as well. And I bought the single. And as you do, when we were kids, you flip it over. And and 50% of the time, as you remember, Pat, the B side's better than the A side. And the B side of that song was Gunslinger. And I'm like, this is, am-. I just loved it. I just loved the guitars on it. I mean, there's like three chords in it, as all the best songs are. <laughs> and I learned to sort of play guitar along with it. And I remember, you know, thinking sporadically through the years, I've got I got to record Gunslinger. It's one of my favorite songs ever. And I keep forgetting that I love it. and I keep forgetting it's there. And then a few years ago, I tracked down a Mink DeVille Album on, on vinyl. Uh, and of course, you know, suddenly it reignited all those memories, like right. back listening. I thought, oh yeah, Gunslinger. I need to record that song. So that was, uh, it just tied in. We were obviously, I was in with Keith and I went, I want to do a cover. And I played him Gunslinger, which I don't think he'd heard. And he's blown away. And, and we did it. It's just such a great song. I can't wait to play that one live.
2: And was Gunslinger, was it an, a non LP B side or was it on the album also? Um, I've
0: got a best of is the vinyl that, that, that I was able to get, get off, So I'm not sure if it's ever appeared on an actual album. Gotcha. Um, it may well do. I don't know. I need to go and, and check.
2: All right. Well, a great cover. I don't know the original, but I'm going to seek it out now. Cause I want to see how it compares to what you guys did.
0: Well, we, we stayed pretty true, pretty, pretty, pretty true to the original arrangement wise and delivery wise. It's a, it's, it's a bit heavier, mm-hmm. you, you know, and how we've attacked it. Um, just because of the nature of what it is and, 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 you know, uh, finesse, I'm not known for my finesse. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely a bit heavier than the original.
2: Well, when you cover a deep album track that no one uh, is super familiar with, it's, it's much different from if you cover a Beatles song, you know what I mean? Sure. You're just introducing sure. this song uh, to a whole new world of people.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause it was an influence on me and, and, yeah. and his music is an influence and it fits in with my, Repertoire, you know, it, it sits in there, you know, if you didn't, you know, with all, with all humility, if somebody didn't tell you that was a cover version, you would just think that's a Ricky Warwick song on that album right. because it doesn't jump out or doesn't go, Oh, that's, like no. you said, that's a Beatles song or no, it you fits know, right it, in. It, it has to, to me, it had to work within the sort of um, phonetics of the album, you know?
2: Cool. Yeah, it's great. And, 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 and you're Thank right. You. It, uh, it's, it's feels like a Ricky Warwick song goes right in, with the theme and the themes of this album so perfect uh never corner a rat now when i listen to this one um this is a hard driving song from the jump yeah by reading the title i thought never corner a rat it made me conjured up like a gangster images like that that kid's a sure. actor but uh sure. what's the real story behind it
0: real story is uh talking to uh to to, to a veteran who'd, who'd um done a few tours in, in iraq uh, and having a conversation with him um i made him came to one came to a black star writer show and, and i was just talking to him and he was just talking about how he felt he'd been let down by his country after he came home, and 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 wasn't given the help because this poor guy had definitely, um, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome, and and and, and there was obviously a lot of demons in there, and and, and i was I'm just struggling with normal, normal life. Yeah, and it was a great conversation with him. I found the guy fascinating, and he just said this great thing. He just said, you know, never corner Iraq because. They'll, they'll always bite back, and I just and I just thought oh, that's killer, you know. Yeah. So it's more me lifting what he said to me about his experiences, and creating a, a theme and a story around that, you know, a little bit of poetic license, Yeah. Um, you know, adding adding to it. But it was just such a great story, and I and, and, and you know a, a sad one as well. But he was quite defiant that he wouldn't he wouldn't let it beat him, and I thought that was the never corner a rat thing, you know.
2: That's good, I. For most of my life, I I always thought that if you served in the military, when you came he- home, you were taken care of for the rest of your life. Yeah, I, I always I, thought I that's I always thought that's how it was, and learning yeah. that that's not the case, and, and learning it so late in life, like when I should have known, yeah. but didn't, is is kind yeah. of sad. I um, was, was the same.
0: I was the same. I was the same. It was actually you know a, a lot of it was you know Sam Robinson who we're talking about, Sam's uh, one of Sam's boys. Uh, served in the British Army and, and and went to Iraq and and there's a song called "Before the War" on the first Black Star Riders album. Yeah, and that was written, uh, you know, inspired by Sam's. Just dealing with what they see over there and the situations that they're put in, and suddenly they're back. You're back home now. Push there you go. Hang on a minute. I'm still having nightmares. Hang on a minute. I'm still ducking every time I hear a car backfire. I, I you know, I'm, I'm struggling trying to find a job. I'm, I'm drinking. I'm dr- you know, yeah. that's sometimes the real war that these guys are fighting, you know, it's, it's, it's the one up there when they come home, you know, I, I just feel for them, you know, yeah, they, they deserve better.
2: Yeah. And, I, and you know, I don't know when it gets better. I mean, we all know these stories, yeah. but no one seems to yeah. do anything. It's, uh, I know. I know. It's, t- it's just yeah. like when I see homeless people, I mean, you know, I'll give them a couple bucks, but I know that's not doing anything.
0: Sure. It's hard. Sure. Of course it is. It is. It's sad.
2: All right, track six, I'm assuming that this might be the most personal song on the album for you. Uh, time don't seem to matter. Yes.
0: Um, the song, I wrote this song in Belfast. What we tend to do is when we're doing the European festival circuit, obviously during the week, there's, not, there's, there's days when there's not festivals on and it's too far to fly back to California. So what I would do is for those days, I'll, I'll go back to Ireland of scotland and stay with family i was back in belfast staying at my cousin's house and she was out of work and i was really missing being away from family i had yeah. been on been out about four weeks at this point and i just picked the guitar up and just wrote how i feel how i felt at that point in time just this is how i feel right now but it's going to be okay because when i come home i'm going to be home for six weeks and i'm going to get to spend every day with you uninterrupted and if we want to go to the movies, we can go to the movies 20 times a day, you know, that, you know, so not the not the, uh, not the quantity of time, but the quality. I wrote it really predominantly for my youngest daughter, Pepper, because she's always known her dad as a touring musician since she was born. That's all I've done. Dad's always going away. Yeah. Dad's coming home. Dad's going away. And I've missed probably, she's 13 now. I've probably missed seven of her birthdays. Or I've not been there, or high school stuff. And that's the one downside about what we do. Yeah. You, know, you know, what we do is a great job. We're blessed. It's easy. I got nothing to complain about, except that bit. And that's just part of it. So really written for her. And I came back. I played it to Keith. And Keith said, it's great. Let's demo it. And I said, ah, can we do it another day? I said, I've got I've got a really bad cold. I had a really stinking cold that day. And he said, no, nah, we just... just put it down, no, it doesn't matter if you can't sing it, Just let's just get the idea down to get the song down and stuff like that. So I demoed it, and my voice, if you listen to it now, my voice cracks a couple of times when I'm singing it. Um, but it's kind of in a cool way, and it's due to the fact that I was completely clogged up with the cold. Uh-huh. So it's demoed, we go to record the album, we come to, to recut this, this song time, don't seem to matter, and set up the acoustic guitar, and I can't recreate it because I don't have a cold. Yeah. So I don't get, I, I'm, not, I'm not capturing the same vibe or the same feeling that I captured that day we put the demo down. And we tried, we spent an afternoon trying to mess about with it. And that demo was done on one take. It was, it's me playing a guitar and singing live. Keith just said, let's use the demo. We'll add the strings. We'll use the demo. We kept, which so means we kept demo. added the strings. And I said, you know what? I said, Pepper, my daughter is really getting into music. She's singing Every day, she's learning guitar. She's learning violin. You know, it'd be really cool if I get her in to sing on it. And Keith thought it was a great idea because he's, he's a dad himself. So we got her in, and she was – you know, kids, as you know yourself, they're so just like, eh, okay, whatever. <laughs> right. And she comes in, and she, she sings it in two takes. And, okay, can we go get something to eat? Can we go to Starbucks? Can we, you know? And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is, you know, I'm the proud dad. Best day of my life. And, you know, she's just totally, yeah, whatever, dad, you know. And um, – and she was eleven when she sang on that when we recorded. She's 11. she's thirteen now, so she's even more embarrassed about it now than she was <laughs> when she was eleven.
2: So and, at, uh, at eleven, at eleven, the lyrics didn't really it they didn't bring up any emotion in her. She just you know what I'm saying. She
0: uh, she's quite an emotional little person. Mm-hmm. I think if it did, she wasn't showing it because she's that at that age now. Where oh my god, my parents are so embarrassing yeah. that we all went through. She's definitely at that age at the minute and.
2: Carmax, the way car buying should be. Right.
0: Um, so, I'm way more excited about it than she is. <laughs> you, you know, and and her, but but you know, and the funny thing is, like, I, I'm obviously doing a lot of promo for the record. I said everybody's asking about the song he's on. She's like, oh God, oh I'm really? What are you saying? What are you telling about yeah. me? And her friends think it's great. Friends think it's amazing.
2: Right. Of course they do.
0: But she's she's you know and. and She's thirteen. She's yeah. she's working it all out in the world, hating hating things, and being a rebel and everything that a thirteen year old should be, you know. But it was definitely um, it was a, it was a real moment that hit home. I remember I remember some of those moments, thinking, "Here I am in Los Angeles, in my fifties, with my little girl that was born here, making a record, sun is shining. Wow."
1: Time don't seem to matter when I'm alone with you. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. This is all I want to do. If wishes were like horses. Then beggars they would ride If distance wasn't measured I'd always be by your side We're all searching for the answers
2: Know it's great. In four more years, she's going to be so proud of this song, and she's going to be telling her friends about it. Because that's how you know, that's how they change.
0: It is how they change. You know, because I've obviously got two other daughters that are growing up, and and, and so we've been through it. I know what's coming. I can't, it's almost playing out by the book now. You right. know, but she's still really into music, and it's great. And what I do, I do two things as I've got older. I wear contact lenses, and obviously I take them out at night. So strategically, I put a pair of glasses in each room in the house because you're always losing <laughs> your glasses, as you know yourself. Yeah, right?
2: I got them on right now.
0: I do the same thing with acoustic guitars. I have acoustic guitar in every room of the house because you never know when inspiration's going to hit. And they're like, oh, where's my guitar? It's in the case. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Three of my guitars are now in her room. There you go. You know, yeah. I go, where's that? Oh, you know, pepper. And it's great. So,
2: But you're so excited you that go. it's in her room at the same time. <laughs>
0: Of I am. You're you bummed know? that it's but not in never, your room, but kids, you're excited where it never, is. Kids, kids never put anything back, so you know, uh, you know. <laughs> but so, what okay, I'm like you said, I kind of want to tell her off, but I'm kind of secretly very, very proud and happy she's being, uh, she's being creative. You know.
2: Well, it's a really great song, and I know she doesn't want to hear thank it. You. But you, you can tell her that uh, that I love it too.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. I will.
2: All right, fighting heart, uh, written with Keith Nelson. This, yep. this is the one that sounds. Like black star riders to me. Right. Okay. I uh, yeah. I mean, I mean that's it's, just it's... to my ears.
1: Got your name tattooed on my chest. Well I was never blessed with comic sound.
0: you say that i mean keith is a is a big lizzie fan i mean aren't we all so he was very influential in keeping a lot of the dual lead thing going which i love and, and and always have loved so i was all about that <laughs> keith did a lot of work in this song um i had the chords and the idea and i think that the chorus may have been the verse when i brought it i'm trying to remember okay and keith was like what are you doing you're, you're, you know your verse is your chorus and I went, you know, I was like, no, it's not, it's the verse. And he was like, no, that's, that's your, that's your, that's the money line. That's the chorus wow, right there. That's you know? interesting. Uh, so we switched it. And then I went, I, I went away and rewrote the lyrics for the, for the verse. And, um, we rebuilt the song from that. But in saying that, that's the first song that we worked on together the very first song we, we worked on together and the song that inspired me to go back to Keith, because we actually think started off writing it for somebody else. We were going to write a song. Okay. And I think the idea was we were going to write it for somebody else at the time. And and when we'd finished it and I had the demo, the, then I went back to Keith and went, Hey, you know, let's do the, let's do an album. Let's do a whole album. And uh, of course he agreed, obviously. And, and so that was really the catalyst for, for starting off the whole album.
2: I don't know how you would write a song for someone else. And then when you're done, not want to keep it all the time, unless you really wrote it. unless it's so specific for that person and it's a song that you would never do yourself. Sure.
0: Sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, it is, I mean, having written for other people, obviously written for Andy and written for bands like the Amorettes. And I've just co-written a band with a song with a punk band called down by law it's coming out in their new album yeah yeah but it, it, usually it, it, you, you have that in mind it turns into something else when you're writing it um, and it's like you, you have to with that one it, as we are writing it more we are writing it it suddenly became a Ricky Warwick song okay I'm kind of going this isn't for anybody else this is I'm going to sing this I'm yeah. not giving this to anybody else um, and that happens that's happened a lot I've, I've, there's a lot of stuff I've written for other people or, or ideas that I've had where and I get into it and I went, they're not getting this.
1: No.
0: I, a perfect example I'll give you, Pat, is Testify Say Goodbye, one of, one of Blackstar Writers' yeah, biggest hits. You so know, great. Massive hit, massive hit in the UK. I wrote that for another band and sent it to them. And they kind of dragged their heels on it a little bit. And I was playing it one day in the dressing room at Blackstar Writers' Gang, and Jimmy DeGrasso was our drummer at the time. And Jimmy goes, "What's that?" I goes, "That's a song called Testify." I said goodbye. I, I wrote it for blah 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 blah. Yeah. He said, "You better call them up and get that song back." <laughs> <laughs> so I got to get Jimmy kudos, and, and I did. You know, I just I, I remember me call. I said, "Yeah, you know." Then they were dragging their heels, and you know, of course, we get it back. We record it, and it's single a week at BBC Radio Two and the whole thing. So lucky escape. But I got Jimmy. But that happens, you know.
2: And then they were probably bummed that they dragged their heels on it.
0: Probably, yeah. But they, they got a they got another couple of songs out of me, so. It was All okay. right,
2: well that's good. <laughs> Next song, "I Don't Feel at Home." This is a this is about drug addiction.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the last song written for the record.
2: Hell with tears, she
1: Yeah, am yeah. I don't in this world
2: is this a personal thing with you have you have you had yeah. any struggles with uh drug addiction
0: i've certainly had struggles over the years with, with drug addiction not to the point where um i've had to go into rehab or anything like that i've certainly I, i'm 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 lucky that I'm quite good at checking myself. It was certainly a period of time when I was doing it way too much and and, and I shouldn't have been. And and my life suffered incredibly for it. And I went, you know, I I was hanging about with the wrong people, doing the wrong stuff and making the wrong decisions. It was all me. I was the one that was doing it. It was nobody else's fault. But I was certainly at that point where I'm trying to blame everybody else. And And it was a dark dark period of my. That was around about 1999, 2000. Okay right before I started doing the solo stuff. Um, very disillusioned with a lot of things and just just bitter and, you know, just in a rut, you know, nasty divorced. A lot of things weren't going my way and I reacted badly to it. Um, but this song's written, it was the last song we wrote for the record. and Keith and I actually wrote it in the studio. We felt we needed, we felt we needed it. Mm-hmm. We felt we needed a song with that vibe, that sort of almost Southern rock groove to it musically and I have a family member that sadly that suffered with drug addiction their whole adult life and it was written for them. um, And it was written about them, but it was almost written with a little bit of a wider scope as well that it could be about anybody that's going through that, but I based it on what I've seen my relative go through for the last 25 years.
2: And has that relative uh, made it through?
0: He no, he struggles with it every day, Still. and and he you know doing pretty good right now. Um, but that's been the case their their whole adult life. Good for a while, you know. It's been tough, and it's been very tough on everybody that's been around him, because it just as you know it you know it, that does just doesn't affect the person that's, that's having the addiction problems. It affects everybody that's involved with that person and makes life extremely hard and uncomfortable. And, um, you know, it's a, it was a cry for help. And, 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 you know, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. And, um, you know, I think that, that, that was it. It's just the, the not fitting in, the numbing of the pain, the disillusionment, the feeling the whole world's against you. Um, you know, You know, afraid to ask for help, all that, all that stuff.
2: I like your songwriting because, um, you know, rock and roll can be looked at as just frivolous sometimes, but you always Mm. dig deep with, uh, with lyrics Mm. and, and things that you want to convey. So that's cool.
0: It's there. It's, it's, thank you. It's therapy for me, Pat. I mean, it really is. It's, it's my diary. Mm. It's the way for me to deal with my own demons and my own inner thoughts. I'm not very great. I, I express myself better when I'm writing lyrics than I do in any other sort of form and and it it really is it's it's toll therapy for me
2: what's great is some people don't even have that outlet so at least you know that you have this to yeah to get out these emotions and also uh just from uh knowing you 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 don't you've never seemed like a drug guy to me you've you've always seemed like uh have a couple beers after a show type of a guy (sighs) but i I wanted to ask that because i because of because i felt like you know this was about drug addiction I, i i
0: party partied pretty hard and, and 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 um you know up until 15 16 years ago uh-huh. i would still i would still party quite hard on occasion but but i always I, i'm one of the lucky ones i don't have an addictive personality yeah. and, and i never let it affect my work i knew if i had to be somewhere or something to do the next day then it wouldn't i was one of these guys where i would i, I see, I, I could i would go crazy for a couple of months i mean crazy you know really really crazy and then not touch anything for six months nothing yeah nothing. I've never smoked, I've never smoked in my life ever.
2: Me neither. But, nothing.
0: But I've, not, I'm the same. Uh, well, you know, I've smoked tons of marijuana. I've never um, even done that. And I've, <laughs> and I've probably, I've probably taken, I've probably taken every other drug available that's out there, but I've never smoked cigarettes. I mean, I would be sitting in the back of a tour bus and out of my mind on Coke or Speed or, or, or something like that, and somebody passed a cigarette, I'm like, no, I'm not taking, those things will kill you, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, after right. sticking who knows what up my nose, you right. know, and I don't know why that is, you know. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very sort of clean living now, and I have been for, uh, for, for for quite some time. I, I like, I like the old Guinness, I like the old whiskey now and again. After yeah. about it,
2: that's you good. That's, that's, that's good. It really, you know, that, that's yeah. partying's for the young.
0: <laughs> it is, you know. I want to keep doing this for yeah eons, you know. So I want to look after myself. Yeah, well, and I feel good. And you know, it's all about feeling good. I mean, I, I feel. Better people, you know, it's a very real roll You don't drink. I said, When well, I drink, I feel like shit the next day. Right. I feel you, like shit for the next he, two days. Old, I'm fucking paranoid. Yeah. I've got high anxiety. I'm, I'm, you know, I look, makes me look, I, when I don't drink and when I don't do, I, I said, I feel great and I'm, I'm more creative, you know? Yeah.
2: Sadly, I mean, the older the older you get, you can't handle that stuff anymore. You just, you just can't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, oh, and you have some help on this. Uh, you have a guest on keyboards on this song, too.
0: Mr. Dizzy Reed, yes indeed.
2: From Guns N' Roses.
0: Dizzy's known Dizzy for years, you know, Dizzy's, Dizzy's great. We've had the honor of, of do we did some shows with Guns N' Roses with Finn Lizzy back in 2012 in the UK, uh, which was amazing. And and Dizzy's just a, a great mate. Now, this was cool because Dizzy could come into the studio because he's here in LA. Yeah. So Dizzy came in and actually played in the studio with us, which was which was very cool.
2: Excellent. Uh, moving on to track nine, we got uh, still alive. This one reminds me of Thin Lizzy just because of uh, it. Immediately starts with a couple of characters, Billy Joe and yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Brown, and that, uh, that stuff like that just always reminds me of the way Phil would write.
1: Billy Joe.
0: it's that poetic license thing. It's like, I, I think the, I think the song was inspired by the movie hell or high water. I think I'd watched that and thought that was great about the, the, the two, uh, the two bank robbers down in Texas, yeah. modern day bank robbers. Great and, movie. And I just thought it a great story. And I just thought a bit of poetic license. So vicariously wanting to, 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 to be the outlaw because I love Westerns and all Westerns. I've just always have. And just taking that and, and, and conjuring up this, this idea of i love road trips i love you know just being on the run you know i've been on the run my whole life i don't know what the fuck i'm running from but i feel like i'm (laughs) you know i've been running my whole life and i that appeals to me and i just put that you know and sort of uh it into more more than it was and create these characters and create this story and keith is a great slide guitar player keith nelson's a great slide guitar player and uh um, I had to let him loose, on, on, and that was the song to do. it. And, and, you know, I, I, I play him some Rose Tattoo. I said, play like Pete Wells from Rose Tattoo. He said, nah, no problem, you know. so
2: See, Rose Tattoo, another band that uh, is lost on the U.S., but another great mm-hmm. band.
0: Amazing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people will probably know it from Guns N' Roses covering, you know, Nice Boys. Right. Um, Don't Play Rock and Roll, um, which is a Rose Tattoo song. Uh, an Australian institution. Yeah. And a great band.
2: Um, when you finally get to go on the road, whether it's solo or with Black Star Riders and you have to leave home after being, you know, in lockdown for this long and being so close with your family, it's probably going to be more emotional than any other time you've went on tour, I would think.
0: We were just talking about that the other day. My wife and, and Pepper, we were in the car and I was sort of saying, you know, I haven't played a show now in almost 15 months and it's probably going to be another eight or nine months before I play a show. Yeah. Realistically. realistically, I I think a lot of people
2: aren't, um, aren't being realistic. Like I go on bands websites and they have like shows booked for April. I'm like, those aren't going to happen. Come on guys.
0: No, so no, they're not, you know, it's just, you know, I'm, I have some shows booked in the UK for April and May, which I booked a while ago. And you know, ain't going to happen they're just not it's just you know and i'll move them and that's just the way it is but i think that people just think we're going to get the vaccine and you just click a switch and everything will will be back to normal yeah it's going to be slow we'll Mm -hmm. get there but it's going to be slow
2: yeah
0: and and i've accepted that you know i'm not pissed off about it it just is what it is and i want it to be like we all do i want it i want to play in a safe environment Um, so if it takes Eight nine months a year—that's what it takes.
2: And I don't even know when a guy like you and I will get the vaccine because we're we're at that age where we're not we're not so old, sure. you know, and where it's in good yeah. health. So, you know, it, it, we we might not get a vaccine for a while. You and I.
0: Well, that's it, you know. And, and oh. again, who knows if you're going to need. You, know, you might need that to travel. You yeah. might need that to go, you know, who you knows?
2: So yeah. And again, I just, I just,
0: I'll just, you know, I'll just just roll with it. And, and, and when we're good, I'll be ready to go. But yeah, it's going to be weird leaving. I've been home, you know, I've never been home this long in my life before, my adult yeah. life, you know. And it's been, it's been amazing. It's been really, really good. It's been, I've really enjoyed it. So it's going to be, it's going to be tough to walk out the door and head off for when six we were, weeks, you know.
2: When we were talking earlier about um, time don't seem to matter and you were saying about, you were out away for a month. Uh, again, what kids don't realize is this, this type of thing, FaceTime and zoom. And mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if, if this was back when we were kids, you, the kids literally wouldn't see their dad when he was on tour at all. Exactly. And,
0: no. And it wasn't uh, no, I mean, I, 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 remember touring back then. This is before I had kids, but I remember, you know, calling girlfriends or my mom and, 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 and being in Germany before the Euro was in and, and yeah. trying to find a pay phone, at, you know, at one o'clock in the morning and, and some gas station and, you know, and, and, and Dusseldorf and, and, and putting the, the <laughs> yeah. Phoenix and German money in, you know, the Deutschmarks in there and, and, you know, you get like 30, I'm okay. Everybody, will go, bye. You know, yeah.
2: now, now That's you same. just, you pick it up and it's, it's right there in your pocket yeah. all the time. So yeah. it's not the same as being there, but it's uh, a, yeah. it's a lot better. Track 10 clown of misery now this is this is recorded very lo-fi i'm assuming this is a demo i never thought uh i never thought time don't seem to matter was a demo yeah but i definitely felt like this one was a demo
0: this is a joke that this is the cheapest song that i'll ever record it's from the iphone it's me it's me singing the song into the iphone sending it to keith keith going there's a desperation in this that i really like let's make it sound like an old Woody Guthrie Hank Williams song
1: I'm just a clown of misery everyone laughs at me I'm not trying to be funny but I still make them all smile I'm a sailor last at sea no one to rescue me, they all cheer and applaud. As my ship goes down, vagabonded dreaming, drifter, a fool. I'm not waving, I'm drowning. What does it take to get through?
0: Just taking that iPhone and, and 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 distorting it, almost making it sound mono. That old crackly, you know, seventy-eight record sound from back in the day, and that's it. But the actual, you know, the whole thing is just me. It's the it's the iPhone. Simple as that. Because it, the song is a certain desperation about it, and I think the way it's portrayed and recorded to, to put any gloss on it would take away from the, yeah. the desperation. that's already there.
2: And the lyric, I'm not waving. I'm drowning. Just is a gut. Yeah. It's a gut punch.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, uh, it's the whole thing. It's, it's, I, I think it's the, the performers curse that, you know, if you have a shitty day, or things aren't going away or even an argument with something, you still have to get up on that stage and you still have to put, put on a show and entertain people because that's what they pay to come and see. So it's like, you know, out front, you're, you're giving it all inside. You could be dying or falling yeah. apart and you can't let that show. No. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: All right. We're coming to the end. Track 11. You're my rock and roll. And this one starts with, uh, <laughs> is this a real phone call to Keith Nelson? Is this something you guys,
0: you guys, <laughs> no, uh, we, 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 we staged it for, okay. you know, rock and roll, rock and roll Liberty. That's yeah. what it is. We, we did, we did it in the studio. We staged it. Um, yeah. I mean, a celebration of rock and roll. Simple as that of, of a love for rock and roll. It's got that real glam 70s drum shuffle, glam rock shuffle going on in the drums, big anthemic chorus, you know, rock and roll never lets you down. And it's sort of saying, you know, You've never let me down. Don't ever start letting me down. It's just singing about the joy of music and the joy of life, the joy of living, enjoy of playing music, listening to music. It's, seeing a, it.
2: it's a perfect yeah. album closer because uh, all those things you just thank said, you. and when you get to the, the end of this album, that's how you feel. So bravo. Good job.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh man. Thanks a million. Thank you, Pat.
2: All right, Ricky, that's it. So let's do some promoting wow. for this thing. I know we got through the whole all thing. Right. <laughs> um, Thank you. When Life Was Hard and Fast comes out February 19th. 19th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Making a blast. And you can pre-order it everywhere right now. And again, vinyl, CDs. Yeah, you know, CDs. all these
0: usual things, you know, all these places. That you can go to RickyWarwick.com. There's links on there where you can pre-order.
2: And Ricky's out there on Twitter, at Ricky Warwick. And Instagram is Ricky Warwick official. And again, Correct. like you said, website rickywarick And when I brought mm-hmm. up when I brought up the tour dates that people had booked, I wasn't necessarily, I didn't mean you specifically. Sure. Because when you said, no, you I know. Some, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I'm just. Um, it's just. Uh, I do think it's going to be a lot longer before we have live I shows and is. stuff. So. You know,
0: uh, and we, we we all wanted to be safe. I mean, I really, you know who really wants to go to you know a high intensity rock and roll show and make sure you're standing six feet away from the guy next to you you
2: be be concerned about yourself because you're going to in the end you're going to be like well if I if I got sick this wouldn't be worth it nothing would be nothing would be worth it if you got sick
0: yeah I mean let's be safe you know let's be sensible let's be safe you know
2: exactly uh Ricky you're always uh, a solid two words two words that should never go in rock and roll <laughs> no, and safe. safe. <laughs> uh, Ricky I always enjoy when you're on the show you're a solid uh dude in person and I can't believe I said the word dude but and you're uh you just make <laughs> you make music that I love and I love that you you uh, are thanks, continuing to fly the rock and roll flag you know you so it's much, uh bro. it's Makes it's just it's rock lot. and roll and uh Thank and you. I love it. So I appreciate it. So I want everyone Thank to go you. buy this album. So Ricky, sure. thanks so much. And oh, you know what? Absolute I, honor. I always end with a playout song. Which one of the tracks would you like me to use as the playout song today?
0: Oh, let's go let's go with You're My Rock and Roll.
2: All right. It ends the album, so it's going to end the show. Here it is. Yeah. You're My Rock and Roll. Thanks, Ricky.
0: Thanks, Pat. Keith, it's Ricky. Hey man. Hey bro, I just wanted to say we've come a long way since Jerry Lee's. Rock and
1: roll ain't dead. It's just lost. It's